Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Here's Johnny podcast. I am your host, Larry. And I am your other host, Justin. And we are the podcast that formerly used to stay on track and get things done within a seasonal subgenre. Hold on. And we are hold on, hold so on. far as when. <laughs> When was it, when was the last time we did Vampire. that? Vampire. Really? Um, did we actually maybe the Resident Evil season? We did pretty good with Resident Evil season. Yeah, that's AKA. I'm surprised. AKA because, the COVID times. Yeah. Oh man, the fucking end of that season was just a garbage fire. To be fair, uh, as you can tell by the title of this episode, and from all our requests for um, feedback from you guys in Discord. Uh, we are reviewing Bloodborne. We are reviewing Bloodborne because Justin thought it was appropriate to hit the other from software spinoff of Dark Souls before the next one comes out, which is Elden Ring, which is coming out later this month to be reviewed by us at some later date. Uh, so Bloodborne is coming up, and if you stick around to the end of the episode, you're going to hear that we are also going off schedule again for another reason, but... I can actually swallow that one a little bit better. But Justin, um, what's been new with you, man? I'm very curious to hear what you've been up to. I think you uh, Um, have something very important you should share first, and then we can go from there. uh, Oh, my article. Yes, your fucking Uh, article on the front page of the entertainment section of the Toronto Star. Yes, congratulations. If I had a little soundboard, I would have cheers going off for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was... uh even in front of like the Joe Rogan shit. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of wild. Um, yeah. So that happened on Tuesday, the first of February mm-hmm. basically is when they ran it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. It was a pretty awesome feeling. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't Did they say, give you I'm any kinda... um, like stats and like clicks or anything like that? No, but I will say uh, later that day, they literally emailed me and said, Hey, pitch us some more stuff that's so cool i'm so happy for you so I, i'm i can i'm assuming that means it is you gotta polish well. up your resume and your linkedin to actually start formatting it more for this uh, line of work I, man i mean i know nintendo my... life obviously this podcast uh your work yeah. over on forever classic now in the toronto star like you gotta know, start putting my, together uh, a little portfolio for yourself my twitter like thingy is just filled with shit now i gotta try to maybe trim it down a bit yeah because uh it's got a lot of shit in there but uh yeah i know it was, it was it was great um trying to trying to stay humble but uh yeah it's very cool um, i will i will yeah, be braggadocious cool. for you it's very very cool thank you <laughs> thank you mm-hmm. yeah um other than that though honestly i've just oh i fucking i beat house of ashes that's the, the uh until dawn knockoff spinoff <laughs> yes it, yeah like their uh dark pictures anthology uh-huh. it was amazing so you were kind of mentioning as you were playing it it the end of that game is so fucking strong too like it was out of that whole like dark pictures anthology uh-huh. there is still one more to go which looks really cool um it is the strongest one by far and like gives me very like I, I would have to sit down and really think about it and maybe play them like right back to back but i think i might like it better than until dawn that's a bold statement what do you what, what about it in particular did you like more than until dawn um it was just uh 
it felt more like the characters were yes they were like caricatures of themselves yeah but a lot less so they were like i don't know they just seem like regular humans not like stereotypes i mean obviously some of them were but uh yeah i don't know and the 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 plot is like very interesting uh i i think it is more interesting than uh until dawn uh, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to talk around sure, spoilers because sure. I, I definitely think that we should even play it. Because, okay. Uh, oh man, it's it's hard because I can't like place it in a season or else it kind of ruins it. Okay. Uh, there's like a big reveal that happens and it's fucking mind blowing. <laughs> God damn it! And like, there's this end sequence basically where it's like a last stand. Okay. And. I don't remember the last time I was like, <laughs> my butthole was clenched <laughs> and I was sweating and like gripping onto that controller and like very concerned I was not going to hit some QTEs. Um, okay. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic though. I, I I really, really can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, it was really good though. Um, other than that, I haven't been doing too much. I've just been working and really stressing about that uh, <laughs> Toronto Star thing. Sure. So. Um, what, 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 what about yourself? So the biggest thing I want to say is I have decided to actually kind of keep better track of what I'm playing, what I'm reading, and what I'm watching. Um, mm-hmm. So playing, I actually made a How Long to Beat account. And I'm actually going to start tracking the games I play, how long I'm playing them, and everything on there. Uh, we play so many things, I figure I might as well start doing that. Yeah. I also started using the Hogib app again, which is over on Nude Clan. Um just to kind of keep track of things I've done this year. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm not trying to compete. I won it. I won the Super Hog. I beat, I mean, you and Jake went balls to the wall <laughs> in the game category, and I fell off of that. But I mean, back in what, 2018? That's when we, you and I, you won the Hog, and I won the Super Hog. Yeah. Like, I was literally, there was always something on a screen in front of me. Like, I went through just ass loads amounts of like random animes that were like 10 episode long seasons just so i could get through shit yeah and i'm not doing that again but i am tracking on that and then um the zombie girls they were using this app called Storygraph, which is like tracking the books and stuff you read so i'm using okay. that too just kind of just little things to kind of keep track of what i'm doing so i actually have a very yeah. accurate list of what i've been up to uh so tv wise um been watching some michigan state basketball nfl football the Bengals in the play or the super bowl which is pretty cool I watched the Royal Rumble last Saturday. My boy Brock Lesnar won the Men's Royal Rumble, and Ronda Rousey won the Women's Royal Rumble. It was just like, you know, amazing. Still watching Dragon Ball Z. I'm on episode 117, which is the episode after the Garlic Jr. arc. I don't, I, again, I don't okay, remember. Okay, fair. Any uh, I don't remember names, but if you like. The little blue guy. I, I don't remember him. Okay. Uh, that's fine. He's not that important. <laughs> he really is okay. not. It's, it's a, it's a, he was like it was like the first arc after Frieza, so it was more like like a. Oh yeah, okay. Um, and then uh, I just watched episode four of Peacemaker today, so I have five and six to get caught up on where the show's actually at. Oh yeah, I, I did watch five. Okay, and... I'm loving it. Yeah. It's so good. I'm actually that's, that's why oh, I'm man. slow rolling it because I don't want it to be <sighs> over. It's just John Cena. 
he's really impressive. He has an emotional range in his acting that really surprises me. And that show, although it's raunchy and over the top, has a heart that, like, I was uh, just not expecting. <laughs> uh, before we record next week, you should watch five and maybe six. Because okay. I, I am going to watch six this weekend. And I think we need to spoiler talk some of it because what happens in episode five is possibly one of my favorite things that I've seen in TV in a little bit. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's I might watch this tonight then. All right, movies. <laughs> I watched four yeah. Dragon Ball Z movies. Um, basically, I'm following this order I found. I created a Google Doc about how to watch the move the all of Dragon Ball in order. I had missed one, actually, which was Dragon Ball Z Dead Zone, which I watched, which is where Garlic Jr. actually gets introduced. And then I also watched Dragon Ball Z World Strongest, Dragon Ball Z Tree of Might, and Dragon Ball Z Lord Slug. Uh, thank you again for Funimation. <laughs> this is what is allowing no me to uh, catch up on childhood anime that I should have watched when I was 10 and then said I'm watching when I'm 31. Games. Actually, kind of proud of my games this week uh, in Destiny 2, because, of course, I'm playing that. Uh, I was promoted to admin in my new clan, um, which is pretty cool, because they are impressed with my raiding skills, which makes me feel good. Um, I finished the last raid seal, so now I have all the triumph seals for every single raid in Destiny unlocked. Oh, nice. Which, I mean... Just in time for... Which exactly. Raid, right? Because that comes out... In the 22nd. Is that when the raid drops, too? March 5th. Okay. March 5th, yeah. And it's it's cool. Like, I played Destiny for playing with people and the raiding mechanic. And I was kind of lost there for a few months in the summer when I kind of, like, fell off one clan and went to another one. And they kind of went and did their own thing. And I was kind of just floating. But this new one, it's called Vincent. Doesn't, not that it matters. But they're all, like, really laid-back guys. They're a lot younger than me, which is interesting. I'm not used to being the old man in the crew. But, uh... It's cool. Like, we'll go in and do, like, really hard challenges, but everyone, like, no one yells, no one screams, we're all just calm. And, I mean, I've knocked out, like, we did a Petra's run, which is doing one of the raids called Last Wish without dying. Like, no one on the team can die or it kicks you to orbit. And we did okay, that in yeah. six attempts. Oh, shit. Which is, like... So, are you, are you, are you guys going for, like, a day one clear? Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, we actually, uh, we have our team together. We have, we're going to be raiding twice a week. Um, maybe more than that as it gets closer, but basically just getting used to playing with each other, call-outs, like who kind of takes the lead in certain situations. Um, we have a whole little Discord, in, in the Discord I'm a part of, like weapon breakdowns and potential strategies with what we think the new weapon meta will be. It's cool. I've never really dove in like this before, and I, I attempted day one raids. I attempted it for Deepstone Crypt and Vault of Glass, and we never got it. We never got past like the first or second encounter. This is the first time I think I might actually get that clear. Nice. So, is there like, obviously, other than like bragging rights, is there like something else you get if you? Get I think there's an emblem clear? tied to it. Okay. I think you get. I think you get a special emblem, um, which is goes back to bragging rights. But for me, it's more. I put so much time into this game. <laughs> I think last year I played 700 hours in the PS4, and almost 400 of those were Destiny related. Um. For me, it's more just like a validation that I'm not pissing away time, which I'm still kind of pissing away time, but whatever. Uh, moving on, I beat Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. Nice. I refuse to touch Arceus, which we'll get to until I beat Diamond. Um, I went in with a five-team, 20 levels under the Elite Four. 
Uh, I bought 99 revives and 99 full restores, and I just kept resetting until I got the win. Uh, but I did get it done. <laughs> Super underleveled and unprepared, but it was done. Obviously Bloodborne, or we wouldn't be reviewing it. Um, yep. Then I started Legends, Arceus. Oh, man. Justin. Oh, I have been playing that as well. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. That is... I'm almost on Research Star 3. I'm like 20 points away from that. Okay. Um, only on Main Quest 7. I need to go find Cleaver and introduce myself to it. But literally, I'm just... I'm just trying to catch them all, man. I'm just running around with the Pokedex. I'm like looking at like their stats and what you need to do to get the Pokedex level 10 and like doing evolutions and catching all these materials. And I have almost... I think I have like one uh, side quest that's left to do, which is a Cherim. Catch Cherim, but I haven't even seen Cherim yet. It's it's amazing. This is the Pokemon game I've been wanting forever. And like the graphics aren't that good, but it's Nintendo, so I never expected them to be, you know, astounding. It's it's amazing. And this is this is their first attempt at it, so it's only going to get better and. Just bravo, like, like great job. Like, like I said, I I'm sucked in. It is, it's cool. I'm I'm very very excited. Are you having a similar? Kind of. Uh, I, I am having a lot of fun. Uh, I do think it looks like ass. Really? <laughs> um, you, like the yeah. Pokemon? You think it look like ass, or just the environment? No, the Pokemon looks okay. Uh, everything else about it looks like ass. So, like the Pokemon and the people look well. The Pokemon look okay. Like good. Everything else just kind of looks like ass. I've had, like, loads of pop-in, and, like, it's just... <laughs> like, I generally don't care if things don't look better, but the amount of leeway people give <laughs> the Pokemon games for looking like ass is kind of wild, because I personally think Breath of the Wild, that came out 2015, <laughs> looks better than this. Yeah, I guess, for me... <clears throat> a big thing is I'm happy to see Pokemon just try a risk. Just try to oh, do something absolutely. different. I think the I think it's it's probably like the, my favorite one I've played in a very long time. Yeah. I just I don't think they should be getting a pass for the visual quality. And it's weird because it looks worse on my TV than it does in hand. Oh, I agree. I actually can't play it on my TV. I tried playing on my TV and it was just not working well. But I guess yeah. for me, when I think of ass Switch games, Whitney, I'm sorry, Deadly Premonition 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was trying to keep it to, like, oh, okay. Nintendo. <laughs> All right. I was just saying, like, for I, I have experienced what ass is. Again, sorry, Whitney. On, on the Switch, and it is Deadly Premonition 2. So, oh, yeah. I guess, if that's my floor, this is, like, in the middle. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it like, should be better. Like, don't get me wrong. It, it should be better, it, it, but Nintendo it, it. just Nintendo is just not known for like crisp graphics. When you get them, it's awesome. Which like is in Breath of the Wild. Wild. So I watched a video of Super Mario Galaxy. Mm -hmm. That game <laughs> looks a fucking amazing. Still, yeah, it does. That, that's one of the prettiest Which is ones. Wild, yeah, because that was two thousand and nine. Dude, sometimes they Resident Evil Four back in its time. Like sometimes, sometimes. Nintendo does, but for the most part, they are just like, we're going to give you a very clean and fun game experience with graphics that are passable at times. At times. 
I just I I think that next time I hope they get the power behind them that I, like I said even Breath of the Wild had behind them six years ago. I think this was like a water testing moment. So I, yeah, I feel uh, like there's a chance. I feel like there's a chance. I, I hope so because I think it's like obviously like I I hope they bring. I'm trying not to ruin anything for Please you. Don't. Yes. Um, okay. And you've done great am, too by doing that so far. I hope they bring it kind of like Breath of the Wild. I hope they bring Jim's back in a way in the next one. Like obviously I get that this is like way before mm-hmm. before all that shit was going on. I hope that they can bring this style to a modern setting. If that makes sense, like see for me, this is gonna be really weird. So for me, the the more modern Pokemon like Sword and Shield and Sun and Moon, like I am, I don't like it. Like my favorite Pokemon game is Silver, and that one. Well, so that's what I mean. Yeah, like, like not like a like a modern game, like a recent game, but like I hope that they can bring in like we we bring get Pokemon like, Silver, but it's like this. So when you're yeah, walking like, between ta- dude, oh yes, like I would love to see. I would take. More towns I would take a month off of work. Like gyms. I would take a month off well, of work. Thing, and embrace I, it. I think that would be fantastic. I, I again, I I think that this was like a good step in a right direction. Mm-hmm. I think it was a like fantastic step in the right direction. But uh, I, I I don't know. I I think that they need to trust themselves. I don't know if it's they need to trust themselves more or Nintendo needs to get behind. There's them just more, a triumvirate or... behind. There's like there's like three parts of the Pokemon company. That like, and uh, they all don't always agree on stuff. Like, there, there's literally three owners. There's like, the Pokemon Company, Nintendo, and Game Freak, and I think that's what the three are. And sometimes they just don't click, and they like pass each other and do things that force the other's hand and stuff. I, I don't know. I just hope this is successful. I hope people appreciate what it is, and I hope people see that this is like, I, I don't know. I'm just loving it. But this isn't yeah, a Pokemon it, it, podcast, so yeah, I don't it, need to it dive is fun. In. Like, I would, I would recommend it. But also, I know that some people are. I, I've, I have a friend who is very into Pokemon and bounced almost immediately because he hated it. But really? I'm, I'm not really a Pokemon person, and I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun with it. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> then. Okay. Books. Uh, I finally finished the book "The Darkness That Comes Before" um, by R. Scott Baker. Uh, the comma P. He is a frequent guest on the Twitch streams and over in the Discord. And a good friend of mine has been asking me to read this book for six years. And I finally decided, like, right around Christmas time that I was going to finish this book. Could not get into, like, actually reading it, so I got the audiobook, and I finished it. It is done. Matt, we can talk about it over coffee sometime at work next week. Uh, it is done. So that is moving on with my life. I'm finishing up the Lord of the Rings audiobook, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. I have two towers lined up, but I'm also going to start reading some other like physical books too, which I'm pumped about. And then school stuff. I had two quizzes, an exam. I had to submit an assignment. I had to submit what my proposal was going to be for one of my organizational development classes. I've been busy. I've been, I've been busy. So yeah, there you go, guys. That's that's my life. Hope you hope you enjoy it. <laughs> uh, but Justin, there is nothing else I can do for the listeners. But just tell them you are about to get a very honest review of Bloodborne.
All right, Justin, I love the video game ones because I get to sit back and watch you take the lead. So tell me about the development history of Bloodborne. Yeah, so... uh... Sorry, I had to scroll to the back top of that. Uh, Bloodborne <laughs> is a uh, 2015 action role-playing game developed by From Software and published exclusively, or published by Sony exclusively for the PlayStation 4. Um, so obviously that this was their... Uh, I don't think it was actually uh, From Software's first time with Sony. I believe their uh, Demon Souls was PlayStation 3 only. Okay. I forgot to look into that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, I'll look into it in a second. Um, but the development of Bloodborne began as they were finishing up the original version of Dark Souls. Okay. Uh, for I believe for the PC. I believe that's the Prepare to Die edition. Um, whatever one was released in 2012. <laughs> uh, uh, so Sony approached from software and basically wanted to like cooperative, cooperatively develop a game okay. uh, and basically uh, Mr. Miyazaki who's like the he's like the Dark Souls person okay. um, basically asked if he could develop it for their next generation of consoles which would then then be the PlayStation 4 uh, and then yeah basically they went from uh, the con yeah the, the concept of Bloodborne was basically born there um, Unlike other from software games, there's not really any connections to previous games, even though Miyazaki basically said that there's Demon Souls and Dark Souls DNA in the level design yeah. of uh, Bloodborne. Um, this game was actually also developed uh, at the same time as Dark Souls 2, uh, some actually believe that's why Dark Souls 2 isn't that great. Oh, uh, they were spreading themselves too thin? Yeah, maybe. Okay, <laughs> okay. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Miyazaki uh, enjoyed himself some uh, Lovecraft, uh, specifically the like Cthulhu Mythos series, uh, and he wanted to basically create a game in that era. Um, yeah. So basically, he he did that. Uh, the the developers targeted a frame rate uh, of thirty frames per second, uh, and uh, weirdly enough, there is a fan made patch for this uh, that I believe you can only get if you jailbreak your game. I'm not sure how it works. Uh, that actually turns it basically into a PS5 version of the game where it runs at fifty or sixty frames per second. Apparently, it plays wonderfully, but. Sony refuses to do anything with it. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And uh, this is taken directly <laughs> from the mouth of Miyazaki. Okay. Uh, the story details are are far more plentiful in the Souls games, but the team tried to create a larger mystery at the heart of the story to compensate for this. Okay. Yeah. Um one of the more difficult decisions the team faced while developing this game was the introduction of guns as weapons, uh, but they decided it would fit well into the game's settings. Um, and obviously they went with like a less accurate uh, version of a gun you would see in the modern time. And uh, the Bloodborne soundtrack was composed by a mix of Japanese and Western composers. 
uh, which I think we will get to when it comes to music. I believe so. Um, And screenshots of the gameplay, sorry, screenshots and a gameplay trailer uh, were leaked uh, weeks before the official reveal under the title of Project Beast. And a lot of people thought it was originally going to be Demon's Souls 2. But apparently Miyazaki stated that Sony uh, wanted a new IP for the PlayStation 4 instead of Demon's Souls 2. Um, as of September 2015, this game had sold over 2 million copies. Uh, and we have not gotten an update since then. And I don't, honestly, I don't think we will because Sony is notoriously like they like to hold all their cards basically. And, uh, yeah. Is that it? (laughs) That's it. Yeah. All right. So the next thing we usually do is a 60 second plot summary, but you have expressed that maybe you wanted to go about it a different way. Yes. I have a plot summary in front of me and I am going, I'm basically going to read it because do we have any we'll background noise that we could be that we could play while uh, you're reading? I mean, it? I have a sixty second. <laughs> Let's just play that on a loop. Let's just play that on a loop while you're doing it. That's fine. This okay. just just to keep the the crowd in the bloodborne mood. So that okay. dude, okay. the floor is yours. Tell me and the audience the story <laughs> <And> myself <laughs> of of bloodborne. Okay, so the player character, a hunter, sees that an old man is operating on them. The man explains that he is performing a blood transfusion to allow the player to sign a contract and mentions a mysterious condition referred to as pale blood. He he warns the hunter that they will go on a strange journey that may seem like a bad dream. Uh, Screen goes dark, then returns to the operating table as a large flesh-torn beast rises from the floor and extends a claw towards the immobile hunter. Suddenly, fire appears and forces the beast's retreat. Little creatures, messengers, begin to crawl over the hunter, and the screen then cuts to black. After the player completes character creation, the hunter awakens on the operating room table in a different clinic in Yarnum. I promise this isn't all that super detailed. Uh, (laughs) Shortly after their arrival, the player finds their first lantern, which, when lit, transports them to the spectral realm called the Hunter's Dream. The player encounters two non-playable characters, uh, Garriman. Oh, I have to keep hitting that. Sorry. You're good. Uh, Garriman, an elderly man who uses a wheelchair, provides advice, and the doll, a life-size living doll that assists the player in leveling up. Uh, Garriman informs the player that to obtain the blood they seek and escape the dream, they must hunt down the beasts plaguing Yarnum and halt the source of the plague. While traveling through central Yarnum, the second area, another non-player character player character tells the hunter to seek out the healing church because of their connection to the blood ministration which is linked to the plague the player encounters a hunter named father gascon who seeks to kill the player to prevent them from transforming into a beast but transforms into a monster himself midway through the fight the hunter moves through the cathedral ward and enters the grand cathedral and encounters vicar amelia now a massive beast the hunter comes into contact with an artifact artifact that bids them that bids them to visit a place called <laughs> Bringworth, uh, only accessible through an area known as the Forbidden Woods, uh, arriving at that B word that I said earlier after... Bringworth. En- yeah, that's the one. <laughs> after defeating three enemies known as Shadows of Yarnum, 
the hunter slays Rom, a cosmic kin. With Rom's death, the hunter gains access to a higher degree of perception. And Rom, the vacuous pain. spider, sir. Yeah, I'm already having trouble not screwing this up as I read it. <laughs> uh, uh, they see the Queen Yarnum, an ancient, an ancient being from the dead civilization who supposedly bore Murgo, the source of nightmare. Did you kill her? Perception. Who? Mar Margo's mom. Uh, where was she? Right outside of Murgo's, the, right outside the boss arena. She's like the pale ghostly woman. Oh, probably. Yeah, I killed her. I, literally, I killed everybody. <laughs> I, I could, so. <laughs> uh, uh, with their new perception, the, the hunter can venture to the previously hidden village, Yahargul, where the now visible Great Ones reside, to be researched and worshipped by the School of Mensis. The scholars sought to build a vessel for a Great One known as the One Reborn. After defeating it, the player accesses accesses the spectral realm called the Nightmare of Mensis, where they discover the insane head of the scholars, Microlash. Microlash. Mikolash. Mikolash, yeah, huh. After killing him, the player encounters Murgo and their guardian referred to as Murgo's wet nurse. After slaying Murgo's wet nurse and letting Murgo die, the game's final phase is initiated. When the hunter returns to the hunter's dream, Garamin offers to free the player from the dream and return them to the waking world in the morning. At this point, three different endings are possible. Um, I'm assuming you did the umbrella, uh, umbilical cord. I on. did. Okay, so throughout the game, the player can retrieve objects, thirds of umbilical cord, that forms when a great one is trying to reproduce with a human as a surrogate. If the player consumes three, uh, th three thirds of an umbilical cord before refusing German's offer, the childhood beginning is unlocked. After German is defeated, the moon presence arrives to bind the player to the dream, but the player resists and fights the presence in a final battle. Upon defeating the moon presence, the player is transformed into an infant great one and is taken by the doll. So that's apparently the story of Bloodborne. Yes. Um, personally, I did not catch uh, more than half of that while I was playing through it. Uh, and that is being nice. Um, I feel like they were very, very, very more, like, more so than Dark Souls cryptic with this one. And it didn't work for me. I'm waiting to see. I went, <laughs> how do you feel about this plot, Larry? And what from that did you actually All right. get So you were playing? I have played in my reviews with the Dark Souls games or the Soulsborne games, I feel like kids' gloves. Um, I feel like I was kind to them in a lot of ways because I felt like I was very bad at them and maybe like I was missing something or whatever. I stand by my scores, but I was kind when I talked about it. That filter is gone now. So let's be very honest. There is no story here. There is no plot here. There is just running from boss to boss. Hiding story elements and character interactions and history in item descriptions is not storytelling. It wasn't in Final Fantasy thirteen. It's not in Destiny 2 when they used to use their little codex lore things. We had to go online to read about them. It is not storytelling. Storytelling is a character who goes through events to reach a goal. We we at no point know what our hunter's goal is. What seek, seek the pale blood? 
Is that it? Is that basically yeah, all we know? <laughs> yeah, that's basically all we know, yeah. It's ridiculous. And it, and for the people who talk about, well, it's in the items. you got to read the items. Like, it's part of the thing. No. Like, that's fine. You like it, but that's lore. That isn't yeah. storytelling. That isn't plot. I don't need to go on YouTube and watch a five-fucking-hour video to explain to me the background of this when I spent 20 hours playing the goddamn game. It's, it's, it, there's just no reason for it. And there's no weight behind these boss fights outside of getting your ass beat a lot. But when you go in to fight Mikalash or Murgo's Wet Nurse or the, or the One Reborn or the Moon Phase or any of these things outside of Garmin because you met Garmin because he's in the house just chilling, you know, the whole time you go up there and level up. Yeah. There's no weight to the fights. So outside of getting your ass beat by these motherfuckers, it doesn't matter. Especially when this game starts off feeling more like a a werewolf hunting monster kind of thing, and then it suddenly slips into Lovecraftian eldritch kind of things, which I'm in for. I love Lovecraft. Like I have a giant book of Lovecraft. Let me phrase that. I love Lovecraft stories. Lovecraft the man <laughs> is you. a racist douchebag. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I I I'm in for that. Like take me on that journey. I am willing yeah. and ready to go with you. There is no storytelling in this. There was barely any storytelling in Dark Souls 3. At least we kind of got the, the, the plot beats behind it. Like, I knew what I was doing. And in Dark Souls 1, same thing, right? I at least had an idea. In this one, especially after... Fuck. I would say... The fight before the witches. When you fight Vicar Amelia. I think after that, any kind of semblance of like plot development or storytelling done by the game and not by the reader reading shit or watching YouTube videos is gone. It's flat out yeah. gone. And if, if anybody says otherwise, like you're just like, I'm sorry, like that's not what storytelling and plot is. If you were sitting around a campfire and someone's like, yeah, this, this epic hunter goes and kills all these beasts and then he beats the moon and turns into a slug, you'd be like, okay, but like, why what happened? it's like oh you have to read these little symbols i scattered throughout the world and read their descriptions it's not storytelling it's not plot it, it, it it's just not and i'm even more upset by it because when you tell that story and when i talk to people like steven who will get to in gameplay for myself and personally and he wrote as an email as well like they fill me in because they enjoy the game and they have dove into it and the thing is it's cool like, similar to Final Fantasy thirteen, it's cool. Similar to Destiny 2, it's cool. But they don't get passes for it, and neither should Bloodborne, or any From Software game. And I'm more pissed off because I like Lovecraft. And, like, and like I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> it, 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 I agree. It, 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 it's just... Yeah. What are we doing? Wait, what, I, honest to God, what are we doing? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean... Like you said, I think after Vicar, I think that the story almost like the direct story told to the player up front takes a backseat until the very end. And even at the very end, it's just like, hey, fight this guy that's been here. Here's, a, here's an honest I'm... to God question for you. Okay. And Oh, I, it's going to be none if the question is, do you actually know any of the story? No, 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 no. no. How did you know to eat the three umbilical cords? I looked it up. <laughs> okay, I was told by Steven. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's how you unlock the secret ending. That's how you 
full circle the plot, right? That's how yep. you get the true ending to the story. Yep. Someone fucking tell me where in the goddamn game it tells you to get the full fucking story. You have to do that. No, I, I agree. I think that from they usually get a pass because it's people who like these like obtuse obtuse is being kind (laughs) i know uh uh, um cryptic and obtuse uh story where you have to uh, i feel like as a video game yes okay it's okay to have that you know that item description storytelling wise but there also has to be a story for somebody who is not going to do that you have to be able to bring your player from the start of the game to the end of game with a plot told basically to them not oh well you don't know why you're here oh you have to go read this item description or go look online well let's think of a game justin that i think we both really really enjoy and that's god of war 2016 was it 2016 yeah was it 2018 i think it was 2016 wasn't it no doom 2016 god of war 2018 yeah either of those games yeah we go on a story driven adventure absolutely in 26 in doom 2016 doom guy is going through the facility on mars to figure out what the hell is going on and you get often beat doom 2016 so i don't know (laughs) oh dude deb is actually playing through it right now um is giving me the itch to go back through and play i never played the dlc for eternal so the itch is there um and then in in god of war 2018 that's fine there's side quests. There's little things you can dive into. Like there's item descriptions for the things Kratos can get. But guess what? Kratos is taking his wife's ashes with his son to bury on top of a mountain. That is our journey. That is our story. And things happen around that. Yeah, like you get character growth and build up as you're going on this journey. You, I think, have a clear and concise goal. Yes, obviously, things happen, and you have to work around, you know, like, things happen. It's a video game. Of course, things are going to happen. You're not going to be all like, okay, I'll be there in five minutes, and game's over in five minutes. No, there's there's going to be twists and turns, and the story builds on that. There's an arc. There is a storytelling yes. arc. There is a hero's journey. Like, the, it, it, it it's it's just what it is. And I don't say you need to follow that specifically, but you got to give me something. If, you, if we, in similar, a lot of times, to how scary... I feel like a lot of movies that are good stories and look great and great acting get killed because of how scary. I think we should do the same thing when we come to video games in plot. Because we have, this is now our third, I can't believe I'm saying this, this is our third Soulsborne game that we have beat yeah. on this podcast. And I just, if, if we are just, if people are honest, if you are honest and you think back to what you experienced in the game, what the game actually told you in the journey you go on, there is no overarching narrative. There's just not. And the fact that like this world interests me, like this gothic Lovecraftian world to me is more interesting than the medieval kind of feel of the Dark Souls games. The high fantasy. Yeah. Annoys me. Because I wanted to know more. I wanted you to give me something. And you don't. And I'm not... Similar to Final Fantasy Thirteen. I'm not reading your fucking codex. I'm not. Well, and... 
that tells you when something is added to it, right? It, it, I think that Final Fantasy Thirteen does a better job of telling its story. Well, yeah, because um, it has like forty hours cutscenes, but, but yeah. yeah. Well, you no, can do but, that here too. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know I what a fallacy and the C is, but at least I know why my my party is like going forward. I don't know why the yeah. fuck I'm going forward. Yeah, no, I I think that in I mean, Dark like Souls I, said, I know why I'm getting sorry, like, like in Dark Souls I know why I get reborn every single time. Why do I keep coming back to life in this one? If you're asking me, I have no fucking idea. Um, I I think, well, like I said, I think there has to be, I understand they want to be cryptic and obtuse and, you know, weird with their story. But there has to be something for multiple levels of players, like God of War did, where, yes, there is all that stuff that you can dive into and get to know more about the lore. But, that, but there also has like, to be a story. I think cryptic is even the wrong word, Justin, because cryptic would be a game like Return of Oberdin. Return of Oberdin, you can very quickly make your way through that game and not figure out all the secrets, right? Yeah. You could yeah. Eat, and that's kind of what you thought I was going to do until I was like, oh, really? We're we're going to get this full clear. <laughs> Devin, come sit beside me. We're beating this game together 100%. <laughs> and yes, I did use my wife because she is far better at that shit than me. And But in this one, like that, that, that like, I don't even think it's cryptic. Cryptic would be like hidden meanings. This one is hidden, hidden story development. This is yeah. hidden reasonings for why creatures exist, for what's going on in Yarnum. For, for, for who the fuck is the old man sitting on the bridge? It's Willem, right? <laughs> Mikolash, the most annoying boss in this whole goddamn game. What is his bigger meaning? I think I said it in there somewhere. You did? I don't, I but where does the game yeah. tell you that? Oh, I, dude, I don't even, I read it two seconds ago and I don't even remember, to be honest with you. And, that, um, and that's what I'm saying. And that's yeah. and that's what I'm saying. We are reviewing plot. We are reviewing the story. And yeah. there is no story presented to the player in the game unless you either go digging through an item menu or watch five hour long YouTube videos. And I am sorry, but as a person who spent 20 hours in this game from what i played there was no story delivered to me and i was even more pissed off because i wanted especially once this elder like this uh elder god shit unraveled like i'm big into that stuff you didn't deliver so sorry i mean i i i i i don't think i'm as passionate but i definitely agree i think that I play games for story outside of Destiny 2, which is like my yeah. big suck, right? <laughs> I play games for story. I play all the Final Fantasy games. Like, yeah. I, I play, like, if, if there's a game with a good story, you can get me to play it. Nine times play out Wolfen. of ten, you'll get me to play it. Play Wolfenstein. That's actually one, especially because of Bethesda, like, in the God and the Doom kind of feeling to it. And it's the reason why I'm interested, even though I haven't gotten to it, in the Persona games. Oh, dude. Because there's a story there. Oh, and there is lots of character growth, and there are lots of arcs that happen in that game. But for me, like, I, I need more than just an arcade experience, which is what I feel like a game without a story is. I mean, yeah, no, there's I, I, barely I, I, more story here than in the damn Rampage World Tour. I, I, if anything, there well, might be more story in Rampage World Tour. Well, it's at least told to us properly. Um, <laughs> I will say, like, because I, I have been trying to go back and compare these games to their past. I mean, especially with the Soulsborne, it's made by the same people. It has to be compared to what came before it. 
And I think that even in Dark Souls 1, there's enough... I, granted, there the storytelling there is also eh, iffy. There's more to it. But we I knew we needed to go Greg, get the four flames? The four Lord Souls? To fill the vessel? Yeah, the four, we, we knew that. The Lord Vessels were three and the flames were one. Okay. But there was enough breadcrumbs there to... Know why you were fighting who you were fighting. Yes. And I I will tell you this right now. After Vicar Amelia, I even thought to myself, I have no idea where the fuck to go because I don't like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was multiple times like that. There's not a lot of... uh, Here's a question for you. Did you fight the Witches of Hemlock or Hemlick or whatever? I fought every optional boss. Okay. Why did we fight them? Because <laughs> it was a boss room off to the side. <laughs> yeah, no, I I know I like I even I even went through the DLC and killed all the DLC bosses, mostly so I could get the god tier weapon. <laughs> but I still, I don't know. I don't know the story there either. So don't ask me. I just went around and killed everybody in it. So okay, fuck if I know. Okay. Plot. I gave it a three and a half. I give it a four. Gameplay. I want to caveat this one real quick before we go into it. Okay. I fucking hate Soulsborne games. Yeah. They are not the kind of games I like to play. They are not the way I like to spend my time. I hate them. However, for the similar to everything else, for the purposes of this review... I am going to give a very honest impression of how I feel the game plays. Okay. This was the best playing Souls game we've played yet. Hands down. It was faster. I liked the weapon movements. I liked the gun mechanic. I was actually able to parry in this one. Um, The leveling up the weapons in yourself was a lot more intuitive to me, which I really liked. Um. What? So I'm assuming you didn't touch like beasts, like your you didn't level up beasts or any like anything like that, or your tinge or whatever. I did tinge a little bit. We'll, we'll we're gonna get into that in a second. So I have a question for you then, Larry. Yeah. What does leveling up your tinge actually do? It's your gun, and um, I I, I what for me it's the, I watch the stats right. It's what stats go up, mm-hmm. and I did okay. look online and I saw that the tinge helped stun. Like it, it could kill other certain enemies faster in an um, increased stun rate or something. A lot of this game is you have to look online to find out what <laughs> anything fucking does. Yes. Um, yeah. But I, I... This game plays really clean and a lot faster in a way that I felt like the previous Souls game didn't, which are things I complained about. The other thing about this game that I really, really, really like is twofold. One is the Chalice Dungeon. Okay? Yeah. I'm going to come out and say it. I don't care if anybody judges me. Go for it. I do not care. I oh, do. you used the Come Dungeon. I used a dungeon that was referenced um, to me by Justin. I think Shannon used it a little bit, too. I think she mentioned it. I know she was in the Chalice Dungeon. I don't know if she actually used it or not. But... There's a dungeon. Come dungeon. 
The cum dungeon. Just say the cum dungeon. There's a dungeon that you can go into. You got to put a code in, and you walk in, and you. What's that dungeon called? Kumfk. Oh come on. And you walk in, and you get about eighty thousand souls. If you put certain stones on yourself, you can bump that up even higher. So I got to Mikalash. And I'll talk about some other stuff then. But at Mikalash, I kind of hit a roadblock. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was Monday night, Tuesday night. I told myself I wasn't going to play Arceus until I got it done. I, like, I got to get it done. And Justin's like, dude, just do it. I was like, okay. Yeah, why the fuck not? I was like, okay. <laughs> And then I leveled myself to 115. And then I went in and I had a decent time beating the rest of the game. Why else? Well, for one, I had help from you on bosses. I had help from Steven Altrick, who we have an email from on bosses. And not only that, I never once got raided to be killed. I only got, um, and I only got help from people. Which is a much different experience than my time in Dark Souls oh, 1 and 3. Oh, you are lucky. Oh, really? I will tell you, my playthrough, I was constantly getting invaded. Really? I never got invaded one time. Any Anytime someone yep. came, it was literally to help me. And it was so cool. And, like, and they, and they were just kind. And they were great. And, like, it, it made... For me, I do not care about getting good. I do not care about taking on these bosses and learning their mechanics and going over and over and over again. Because my biggest con for gameplay when it comes to these games, I don't fucking understand why they don't put a lamp in front of the boss room door. Why? Why do I have to go through the entire fucking Forbidden Forest to fight the Shadows of Yardum? Why? To fight Murgo, I found this, I found an elevator, but like, if you didn't find that shortcut, why the fuck do you, like, why? why? If your difficulty is tied to these bosses, and it is designed for you to eat shit to these bosses over and over and over again, Why? Or give me an item that I have to spend blood points on to drop a, to drop something there so that I, I can respawn to there or teleport to there. Why? Like, like, like oh, what, what is the point? O- outside of just being a fucking asshole game mechanic, why? You are going to love Elden Ring so much, man. I. They have made many improvements for Elden Ring. <laughs> because like, the thing is, it's like, for me... Outside of Forbidden Woods, I got lost in Forbidden Woods. I actually had to watch a, like several YouTube videos to figure out how to get through it because I just kept getting turned around and messed up. But yeah. for the most part, most of the maps were distinct and different with cool enemy types, and I enjoyed my time walking through them. And like I said, I enjoyed the combat in this, so I actually killed stuff as I went through. It was a really, really fun experience for me. With that being said, I do not get why from games make you have to go through bullshit just to get stomped on again to go through bullshit again. Just let me fight the boss. Let me keep popping in there. Other games do it. It's okay to do it. It makes sense to do it. That is your challenge of the goddamn game. I don't want you to do that and then die or, like, get some buffs. And then, like, similar to in Mikalash, you know, when you you have to go through that area with the woman with the big axe and the chain stuff? I got knocked off the edge so many times in that. I'd ring my bell, use an insight, get knocked off the edge, and, like, just be fucked. Like, why? 
Why? Like, what? what, what? Just because you want to be hard? Because you want your players to get good and suffer? Fuck that. It's ridiculous. It is time-wasting. I'm done. Game was really good. Better than Dark Souls 3, but I will never, ever, ever understand why the fuck they do that. I, I, I just won't. Uh... <laughs> I am. I know I'm in the minority here, but okay. I enjoy the gameplay in a Dark Souls three better. Really, uh, I do. I do like the calm, slow, tactical uh, approach to these games. Oh, I like the speed. Uh, yeah. Oh, I figured you would. Actually, I'm not gonna lie. That's why I said, "Hey, we should play this," because I figured, "Hey, there's like <laughs> basically you have to be quick and." On be basically be on the offensive constantly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it felt fine to play. I didn't really like the gun stuff. I honestly never. I put my gun away almost instantly. Really? Never used it. I got yeah. very good at using it. Like basically, I would use it to stun enemies as I walked through the areas. Like I got very oh, yeah. good with it. In a way yeah, that I never see, did I in the Dark Souls games. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like I that wasn't for me, but I like. Like parrying yeah. in the Dark Souls games, I, I just I don't think it was for me. Um, it like I said, it, it did feel good, but not great. Um, yeah, I I went through with the uh, it's called the Whirly Gig Saw. Uh, it's basically it's a pizza cutter. Pizza cutter, yeah. Uh, that weapon is amazing and godly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think all the areas were fine and nice everything is really wet and slimy in this game uh i don't know if that's just like a product of the time or i don't know what but uh it just kind of weirded me out um i like the aesthetic but i think it almost goes like too hard into it um i don't know i i just i don't this is this was hard for me to score because I don't really know how I feel about the overall gameplay of this game because I like the higher higher fantasy setting of a Dark Souls. Sure. I like the slow pacing combat in the Dark Souls. I think you should compare it I to don't... it. We've played two of them and it's the same company. No, I, no, absolutely. Like I I I mean, I've already said that I think that Dark Souls 3 is stronger than this game. Uh, almost in every sense. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just doubles down here, and specifically in, well, here and in another section <laughs> mm-hmm. that we'll get to in a second. Um, I The gameplay wasn't for me. Um, okay. Obviously, it had like the same, basically all the same items and all the same experience. Had a way you get experience, literally all the exact same. Basically, copy and paste with different names. Yep, exactly. Uh, which is fine. You know, it works. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of like specific hard spots or like Miko Lash was my big wall. Miko Lash was a dick, but I don't know, man. Like the, the come dungeon was fun. Uh, I don't even remember when I used it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I like how they okay. had a mechanic like the like the Chalice Dungeon where there if you did a little bit of looking, there is a way to get yourself leveled up in such a manner if you beat a little bit of the game. I think you have to beat Bloodstar Beast to get the chalice. So if you yeah. beat a couple of hard bosses, because Papa G, 
Blood Starved Beast. Like those are pushovers. Yeah. There is an out for you. You can play this game and experience it and get a buff differently than how in Dark Souls 1 where I literally had to grind up. So I will say there uh, the come dungeon is not intentional. Uh, people keep expecting them to patch it out because it is not intentional. Oh. Yeah. Well, I want to pretend it was. I'm going to give him that grace. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give him something. Um, I will say the multiplayer side of things here kind of fucking sucked for me this time. Really? Uh, See, it was the best experience I had. Like, if I rang my bell, I got, like, two people per boss fight if I wasn't waiting on you or Steven. So that's the thing is, whenever I rang my bell, I asked Shannon to come help me because I know that she was playing along around the same time I was. Mm -hmm. There was two days, literally two days, where we were ringing and doing whatever the hell you had to do there, resonating bell and beckoning beckoning bell. bell. One hour. Nothing. Really? Yes. Dude, like... I don't know, like, uh, Murgo. I couldn't I couldn't get her. Like, when she went into that shadow realm, I was really, really struggling, so I decided to ring the bell. Steven was busy, so I was just going to say, if someone comes, if not, I'll just keep trying, because I'm getting close. I got two people within, like, 30 seconds. Damn. That must be nice. It was yeah, amazing. No, I, like, literally... like I'm saying, like, I even got two friend requests from people that I played with during this on some of those bosses. For oh, real. Wow. Yeah, like, like I said, this was experience. the most positive community interaction I've ever had in a Souls game. Outside Dark Souls 3, we had a couple people in chat who like, literally were like, hand-holding me to the next boss arenas. <laughs> so it was cool. Yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was, it was was rough. And okay. There was... Such different experiences. It's so, it's so interesting. Oh, man, the PvP stuff. Like Not one time. Not people. one time did I get fucked with. Literally the whole game, I don't think I went through a single area without getting invaded. Insane. I didn't yeah. see one. I didn't even see oh. one. And like I, I feel like in Dark Souls three, if I did get invaded, obviously I was frustrated because fuck it. I don't I don't want to take part in that part side of it. But there was some like decorum. You know, people would like bow to each other and like sit with each other until you're kind of like, Okay, it's been like two minutes, let's just fucking get this over with. Um, here it was no instantly people would just like fucking run up to me and just smoke me instantly. Um, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. It was just, man, I love me a dark souls game. I do not love me a bloodborne game. Okay. So I want to reiterate, I hate souls born games. I do. They are not my kind of thing, but I will give it objective score. And for me, this is the most fun I've had in a souls born game. I gave it nine and a half. Ooh. I gave it a seven. I do understand that it is a fast, fluid, cleaner game than they've given us before. It just wasn't for me. There you go. Audio. Yeah. Um, Middling is how I would describe it. At best. I mean, in Dark Souls, the theme of the Firelink Shrine to me still like still resonates with me for me it's the the boss fight against Gwyn. oh man (laughs) yesterday or was it today no it was yesterday 
I was like, okay, you know what? I, I want to give the audio a second chance just listening to it by itself. Sure. I think it's like there are some that are okay. I don't think anything is ever outstanding. Uh, and then I was like, all right, well, oh, maybe I'm just being a little crazy. Like, let me go back and listen to Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 3. No, those games are fucking amazing. Like, still amazing. And I think it's because those games kind of, like, revel in it's, like, when there's, like, obviously it's, like, a very solitude-heavy game. Yep. All of them are. But I think Dark Souls 1 and 2 kind of, or not 2. <laughs> I, this is all saying I have not beat Dark Souls 2, so I don't have any feelings on it. Uh I've played it for two hours and I did not did not like it. And I watched all two but, of those hours. <laughs> it, just, it sucked. Um, Dark Souls one and Dark Souls three, like they like you to feel like you are alone, and there's always like a somberness to the music, even when you're fighting like Cinder and the soul of Cinder in the third one Oof. when you get halfway through <laughs> and it like it comes in with like the backing track of the first game and it just like it all like ties itself together and i feel like the sound design well not sound design but the soundtrack specifically does a better job at like lending itself to the story whereas here it just kind of i think you could tell it was not they were not given full reins to develop the soundtrack because i think it could have been really good but I think because they had somebody else, it was kind of 50-50. Yeah. I feel like that really held them back. See, for me, the reason why I say middling is I feel like the overworld sounds, like when you're actually traveling through the areas, I feel like those are like pretty good. I, I don't think they're anything special, but I think they're good. I think the villagers sound cool. The monsters sound cool. The birds are terrifying noises. Like, I, I think they're all good. The reason why I go middling for me is I feel like all the boss themes were the same. They were like... Maybe they weren't, but to me, like, when I think back on it, maybe I'll listen to the the soundtrack when I'm doing homework this weekend, but, like, to me, it all really sounded the same. But when I think back to Dark Souls 1 and 3, all those themes were, like, unique and different and special and like yeah. had like a feeling behind it. Outside of Garman, I don't remember anything like that. So the only real standouts for me are literally they bookend this game. It is the cleric beast has a great a great track. Yes. I will say a great track. Garamond is okay. Everything in between is kind of like iterative on those first and last tracks, but like not in a good way. It it, it it's I think I don't I'm not sure if it's because it's attempting to like stay stick with like the vibe of this game, like very Victorian era sounding music. Mm -hmm. But it just I don't know, it it's unfortunate because after I played this game, I went back and played some of Dark Souls 3. Did you really? Oh yeah. I've since beaten it again. What <laughs> um, the <laughs> the music man the music alone just like it i can tell you that i have listened to like what i'm doing studying or taking notes or writing or whatever i have put on dark souls playlists yeah i i think they're fantastic i and i don't i really don't think bloodborne holds a candle to them yeah and then the other last thing we should talk about is the voice acting um i felt like even though the voice acting the actors sounded good. It sounded like they fit this realm. 
I feel like they put in half effort. Yeah, and maybe it was, because they it, didn't it, know what the fucking story was and what they were supposed to be acting towards. <laughs> yeah, that 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 could be the case. <laughs> yeah, I I think the like the voice acting was sounded good, but it didn't come across convincing. Okay, audio, I gave it a five and a half. I gave it a six, which is a huge drop from our tens and nines and a halves that this franchise has been getting so far. Yeah, I'm really hoping that Elden Ring brings us back. So how scary? The Souls games so far haven't really gotten high scary points. Um, I think that's fair. I think there are some like grotesque things that we see, but getting your ass beat really isn't that scary. That's a gameplay mechanic. Yeah. This is easily the scariest Soulsborne game we have played. Um, Lovecraftian otherworldly elder god shit works i mean that's the reason why i like reading them like it's just spooky stuff like it, it it just is it's the things you can't see but if you could just look at it in a slightly different way that you would be able to unlock that's terrifying and not only that the first half of the game is scary too when there's like blood curses going on like i said i thought it was werewolves and this game does a lot better job i feel of introducing spooky monster types than the Soulsborne game the other the dark souls uh one and three did couple of examples there are some spider webs lying around and you just fought wrong the back you with spiders like okay well that's what the spiders look like in this game no big deal and you go into this like church area it's like when you're in the nightmare of menses and that big ass spider and her minions fall from the ceiling you know what i'm talking about yeah um actually uh, i wanted to vomit i wanted to throw one... up everywhere <laughs> uh one interesting thing about this is uh there was a npc in Dark Souls 1 and 3, and I'm sure he's in 2 somewhere, uh, called Patches. He was he would always fuck you over. and like, uh, he'd, I think in the first one, he was in like the underground caves with the giant skeletons. Okay. Um, I don't remember where he is in 3, but he's actually in this game as a, as a spider. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Snakes don't scare me, but when you go into like the Viper Pit, that was pretty intense. Yeah. Um, the little blue-headed, like... Alien-looking motherfucker. Yeah, again, Lovecraftian <laughs> shit. Like, they were good. And some yeah. of the bosses, like, the One Reborn, holy crap. The Moon Presence, my god. Like, there were some actually terrifying bosses. I just wish I understood how they fit into the story. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I agree. I think it did it does do an overall better job in the house career this that's actually the main reason why because way back before we even played dead uh, dark souls one i said hey we should play bloodborne yes. because it's the scariest of them and then and then i opened my mouth and said i'm a purist i want to start from the beginning yep and then we skipped two anyways because it sucks and <laughs> went to three the moment i heard in two that when you die your health goes down i was like there's no way you're you're yep. not doing it to me. I'm not. I'm not. Put, it's okay. I didn't. I, I am not taking myself, so. years off my life to experience that. But no, this game yeah. to me is easily the scariest we've had from a from game. Absolutely. I gave it a six and a half. I also gave it a six and a half. Um, I I think that I don't think anything gave me nightmares like i actually got a nightmare from dark souls 3 with like the like centipede fucking things that come out of the water um but i think overall this does a excellent job uh 
the it's like creature design the lovecraftian mixed with the victorian really sets a very spooky vibe uh before we reveal the scores subgenre we are in agreement it's kaiju or mad scientists were the two i would go for since i i would love to answer that but i don't understand the story we're gonna go mad scientists just because i know they were fucking around with love summoning lovecraftian things so okay all right Oh man, Justin. To review the scores for plot, I gave it a three and a half, you gave it a four. For gameplay, I gave it a nine and a half, you gave it a seven. For audio, I gave it a five and a half, you gave it a six. And for house scary, I gave it a six and a half, and so did you. That gives it I actually gave it a higher score than you. That gives it a here's Johnny final score of a sixty-one. In our master list, I have to scroll down. It is tied with a bunch of things, actually. It is tied with Friday the 13th, Part 3, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, Resident Evil Code Veronica, and Scream 4. Right below it is Resident Evil 0 and The Day the Earth Stood Still. And right above it is Night of the Living Dead and The Boy. We have listener feedback. (laughs) Oh boy, do we ever. (laughs) Would you like me just to read it? Yes. So first we'll start with, I put a call out on Discord. I'm actually going to try to use the questions for the show channel and actually start getting some interaction back. And we got a couple messages. First is from Alex McCumbers. Um, and he says, Bloodborne has layers of horror, literature, and geeky homages. Which ones are your favorite? Uh, Justin, you can go first. Uh, sorry, I'm going. I was trying to look for the question. So <laughs> I was not listening, but I will go back and see. Uh, Bloodborne has layers of horror, literature... Um, honestly, I feel like it, that's kind of a hard question to answer. Uh, out of those three specifically, I definitely enjoy the uh, horror aspects of it because, A, the literature, well, the literature had a story and this did not. <laughs> and uh, I didn't really get any of the geeky homages personally, but uh, like we mentioned, I, I think the horror does a much better job of like shining itself and yeah. putting itself forward than any past from software games have for me it would probably be the literature um not given to us in the game but again i like lovecraftian stories i like the yeah. elden ring elden ring the elder god <laughs> stuff like that is i'm gonna hold you to that you have to like elden ring now <laughs> if george r R. martin can give me a story and i can have a souls game that is a little bit more forgiving oh, okay so he made he did the lore for the game. Uh, he did not make the story. Christ. But I can tell you from the beta. Well, I, I, I network test beta, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. There there was more story in that. Okay. Than here. Cool. Uh Shannon wrote, personally, I thought Souls S type games were beyond my skill set, but I gave Bloodborne another shot last year and fell in love with it. I played Dark Souls 3 after it for comparison and didn't like it nearly as much. <laughs> I love the art style, lore, gameplay mechanics, soundtrack. It's the most satisfying game to play when you pull off a boss kill and you have to actually get good to make it through. That being said, the friend co-op connection function is fucking ass and they really shit the bed on that part of it. That is so crazy because it was butter for me. God damn. That's crazy yeah, was... to me because it was so smooth. And then we have two emails, Justin. Um, and we have a third email, or three later on. But we have two emails specifically about Bloodborne. We're doing, do you want to hear from Chris first or the man with the strong back, Stephen, first? 
Um, let's go. Uh, let's go with Chris. Okay, first. I haven't read any, any of these, so I'm very excited. Okay. Chris writes, "Bloodborne rules. You suck." Yes, it's not your typical high fantasy setting that the Dark Souls trilogy gives you, but that is what sets this game apart. The setting is spot on with the gothic style in the other wooded areas, as well as Kanehurst Castle is superb. Even when you have to journey onto the nightmare, it just adds a whole field disorientation and what the hell is really going on in this place. To add to the disoriented setting, the old hunter's nightmare, as well as the fishing village, nail this aspect. With the nightmare... Those are DLC, okay. by the way. With the nightmare, you are drawn to the clock tower while transversing through familiar settings, adding to the suspense. Combat. The glorious combat. The fact that this is so much faster than typical Souls game of Turtle, behind a shield, parry, swing, roll, repeat. Now, I play Souls with a, two, with a two-handed, so this doesn't apply to me, but that's not the point. The different weapons with trick forms, as well as the base form, Add a whole other layer of depth to combos, how to handle mobs and bosses. We didn't talk about that, but that, I love that too. I love being able to like actually get like legit combos in. Yeah, I, still I like use the I use I yeah still, I, I use the moonlight blade for the majority of this playthrough, and I got it to max level, so I did like that. Oh, nice. Uh, coming to bosses, absolutely fabulous. Every fight is so well done and doesn't feel like it's a bullshit encounter. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Just the scale of most of the bosses makes you feel pitiful and small, especially once you start to unlock what exactly is going on with Yarnum in the church, which brings us to story. Oh, oh man, story. The absolute best story the Souls series hands down. Don't get me wrong, I love Dark Souls, but come on, you have to agree there is no narrative. Gotta go link or rekindle the fire, that's it. Sure, there is more to it, but that pretty much is the gist of it. Bloodborne is so much more. Starts off as a typical game. Oh, my hunter, have to kill the bads. Oh, why is there bads anyway? Oh, it's because the church relies on a thing called blood healing and it's flawed and turns people into beasts. Okay, why does it use blood healing? Oh, it's because they are trying to figure out and harness power of the motherfucking cosmos. Oh, turns out the church also experimented on kids and kept a goddamn daughter of the cosmos in their orphanage. How much can this get fucked? <laughs> oh, outside of harnessing the power, they are trying to birth an entity of their own to control. Mad awesome shit. Just like any good story, it has crazy layers and just keep getting better and better the more you peel the onion. Get good. Love you guys. Can't wait to hear this review. Chris, I want to say I agree with you that if you open up the story and talk to people who understand the story that is hidden from it, the playthrough, it's good. it is really it is. good. It's Lovecraft. It's it's why I answered Alex's question the way I did. You don't find that out on a playthrough. No, I mean, I feel like, especially the side-by-side -side comparison of saying, hey, the Dark Souls is go do this. And that's it. I could easily say the same thing for Bloodborne, right? It's, okay, go kill the bad guys. They're going to kill us. It. Okay. Moving yeah. on. We have one more. <laughs> this is from Steven. Um, listeners of the podcast and people who have listened to uh, any of our Souls game know that Steven has... He and Justin have been my saviors. <laughs> is that fair to say? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I also know that Steven beat this game 20 times, if not more so. To those who know my taste in video games, it is no secret that I love from software games. I love the lore, storytelling, and gameplay. I'm so sorry. My entry into the franchise became with Bloodborne, and I've yet to find a game that will I will gleefully pick up as many times as this one, 
What makes Bloodborne so special compared to other games in the Soulsborne Sekiro Enterprise is a combination of Dark Souls' cryptic storytelling with the fast-paced gameplay of Sekiro. To its credit and to many players' contempt, Bloodborne actively rewards the player for learning a set of key mechanics and rules. I will concede that on my first playthrough, I spent a few days trying to clear out all the enemies in an area before moving on to the boss. I made little use of dodging and parrying, only to be trounced time and time again. When I finally made it to Cleric Beast, I had not prepared from a technical perspective and only spammed the basic attack. My frustration led me to have a year-long hiatus from the game. However, when I returned, I was more willing to practice on small cohorts of enemies and learn the mechanics. This was a cyclical process wherein I was being rewarded for learning and my rate of gameplay progression increased. Outside of gameplay, the storyline is an ode to Lovecraft and gothic horror. The game does have a bit of pacing issues for the story in that once the nightmare begins, the second half of the game sees rather rushed and in tackling the nuances afforded to the beginning. Players who do not participate in diving into the lore will still likely enjoy the thrilling boss battles and scenic environments. Those players that do invest in the lore will find themselves transported to a carefully crafted society with multiple factions and conflicting values. These present themselves through the unique NPCs in the game. I will say that aside from Alfred and Eileen the Crow, many of these NPCs have rather obscure quest progressions which detracts from their significance. Likewise, an element of environmental storytelling, which is intended to provide important context for the story, but is actually both underwhelming and poorly executed, are the Chalice Dungeons. They are quite repetitive and devoid of much character outside of the occasional interesting boss. On subsequent playthroughs, I bypass the Chalice Dungeons entirely. However, I absolutely never skip the Old Hunters DLC. This extra content provides a new context of the hunt, from its incipient days as well as the prompts as well as prompts the player to consider the moral impropriety committed by the church in the fishing hamlet. The DLC combines the best bosses of the whole game with unique level design. In summary, I do not hesitate to say that Bloodborne is one of my favorite games of all time and is one of From Software's best creations to date. So those are four people that are never going to be talking to us ever again. So with that in mind, I think it is time to unveil our ranking of the Soulsborne games so far. Okay. In first place, we have Dark Souls 3. Sorry, in first place, we have Dark Souls Remastered with a 78. In second place, we have Dark Souls 3 with a 76. And in last place, we have Bloodborne with a 61. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I I know how critics and people feel about this game. It just was not my steez. It really was not. There's going to be some heat. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. But oh well. It is what it is, guys. So I mean, do do they want me to lie and say, oh, this is a my perfect game here? Have I wanted it 40? to be? Yeah. But I'm sorry, it just it. The thing is, everything else was me. okay. It was the plot. It was, it was the fact that I wanted more plot, but I'm not going to dive into your item menus. I'm not. So, so for me, it's plot and audio. I think hands down, the audio is way better in the yeah. Souls games. But yeah, the plot was the biggest attractor of points in this game. And I wanted it to be good. Damn. Okay, 
So we actually have a special commercial. Um, if you remember back to when uh, we had Joe, D- Joseph DeGoyer, I guess, on, we reviewed his film, The 13th Cross, and he came on. He's kind of the reason his podcast, his podcast network is the reason why Justin and I even got into podcasting and became friends in the first place. Um, he's actually working on his second film. It is a film called Chicken Coop. It is going to obviously an indie film. Um, it's on Kickstarter right now. And it's going to be a Christmas film. So he's going to talk to you about that. And then after that, we'll head on into the closing and kind of get things moving forward. Hey, podcast listeners. My name is Joe, host of Ultima Final Fantasy, the Godzilla podcast and Nude Clan. And I am here today to ask you for your money. (laughs) But no, actually, I'm trying to get an awesome little movie off the ground. It'll be my second feature film, and it is called Chicken Coop. It's a heartwarming family comedy slash drama that takes place on the days just before Christmas Eve. A well-off LA lawyer named Isaac and his vegan wife, Tanya, are heading to the countryside to help Isaac's estranged father, Abe, do some projects around the house as an opportunity to patch things up but uh, of course uh, not everything goes super well uh, it goes south from there but uh, that's all I'm going to tell you there's uh, there's more information on our Kickstarter campaign so please uh, check out the link in the description of this podcast or if it's not there for some reason please go check out kickstarter.com search chicken coop and uh, learn more about the project watch our video see our amazing cast you can go check that out or my previous movie The 13th Cross thank you guys so Justin before we kind of talk about what's coming next we did get another email this is from kim andrews uh and they say your podcast won't probably know this but recently kate blanchett named the finnish christmas horror classic rare exports as one of her favorite movies i did not know that i think that is interesting because kate blanchett has been in some amazing films I personally just did not like Rare Exports. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it, it had a like weird promise that it just didn't execute them very well to me, personally. That and too much male nudity for your prude Larry. Oh, I didn't care. You put all the dicks you want. <laughs> all right, so now we have two things to talk about. Oh, our fucking schedule. I know. So... <laughs> Earlier this week, as we record, a trailer came out for a movie that I didn't even know was happening. They are requeling, I guess. It's their legacy sequel. Legacy, I like that. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Fuck yeah, they are. And (laughs) it looks good. And if you remember, if you've been with the podcast for a long time or you hear us talk about it, one of Justin's favorite horror films. Was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we have not touched it. We were going to. I even watched it when we yeah. were going to. I forget what happened, but we, we ended up not doing it. Um, yeah, but we are now. We're going to do a three week TCM season. We're going to do the OG. We're going to do the Jessica Biel remake, and then we're going to do the Netflix legacy sequel. Um, I'm pretty pumped. I mean. We are skipping the trash. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I even I, I think you do. You are. We are going to lose out on Copper Top, who is Bull Mosley. I thought it was uh, Chop Top. Doesn't ch- Chop Top? What did I call him? Copper yeah, top? yeah it's, it, it's Chop Top. <laughs> sorry, um, but he he is in the second. Yeah, one. he's not in the first one. Um, but we also get to. We'll miss also miss on Alexandria Daria's 
long lost brother cousin. <laughs> cousin oh that's right God, cousin what a fucking garbage <laughs> fire. although part of me wants to say we probably should watch it because technically that is also a sequel to the original <clears throat> but i'm okay saying no because that movie was i really don't want to do that one okay that's good yeah um yeah so we're going to be spending three weeks on that again i'm so sorry for our alien lovers but we're coming back in strong after that we will have our review of aliens fire team elite that will be with rachel because rachel was playing it with us um and then after that god willing we will be on aliens until the end um except for elden ring elden ring ain't gonna be aliens elden ring is just something that is in front of us with that being God, said, I have one last okay. thing. It is a tease <clears throat> for everyone else, but it is content for our patrons. Justin and I have been really trying to brainstorm, and we started doing like an actually like, like a bonus show, like an after show. But I wanted it to be a yes. little more focused and a little bit easier for us to kind of stay tracked on, and also to have some listener participation, not just from patrons, but only patrons who listen to it. So I have created an idea and it's called around the campfire so stick around after the show ending credits and we're going to get into that but justin any last thoughts before we wrap up this episode you guys don't have to hate us if it wasn't our thing (laughs) yes and I, i am sorry that i will just never be able to get good but with that stay scary Here's Johnny podcast is brought to you by Larry and Justin. You can find the show on Twitter at Here's Johnny Cast, and you can find Larry at Beaver LA. You can find Justin at Pickle Thing, and you can email the show at Here's Johnny Podcast at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook at Here's Johnny Podcast. As always, in the show notes, you can find links to the Discord and to the website. We are also on Instagram at Here's Johnny underscore podcast. Also in the show notes, we'll have a link to the Twitch and YouTube channels. And if you would like to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Here's Johnny podcast. Every cent goes into the show. And yeah, we just really use it to make the show better. Again, I just want to say thank you very much to our patrons. Uh, you guys help make this possible. But yeah, Patreon is the way we support the show. We are looking to get rich. And like Justin said, every dollar, every cent. It all goes back in. There's some pretty cool tiers, so head on and look at that. But until next week, see you guys later.